This is The Instigators, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to Welcome into Instigators Overtime. We are thrilled to be setting up the stage for someone, Marty, who produced, if you can believe this, 186 goals in 205 career games, not to mention 343 points. These are the numbers of one Cami Granado. Just a fantastic career, obviously playing for the U.S. at all these world championships and a couple of Olympics, winning gold in Nagano was amazing. Uh, but more importantly, now with everything that's going on, can talk about the women's game and where it's going and where it needs to go. So that is why we wanted to talk to Cami Granado. She accepted the invitation. I don't know if it's because we're so nice to Dawn and the rest of the family, but anyway, we'll take her because uh, she was willing to uh, spend an hour with us. And who reached out with that invitation? Uh, I did. Yes. See? Uh you well, are you know what i was nervous because uh as uh you know people have lives and uh, she was <laughs> skiing all day so i didn't hear until very late the night uh before we recorded so i was a little nervous but she is fantastic lover all right she is coming up and when you're serious about the game bet on buffalo at the only sports books in western new york seneca resorts and casinos betting counters are open daily and self-service betting kiosks are available 24 7 at all three locations and those three would be seneca niagara allegheny and buffalo creek the sports lounge features the latest lines and multiple screens so you never miss a play the sports book at seneca resorts and casinos where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win not often we get to speak to a Hall of Famer, Marty, on this podcast, yeah. but that is absolutely the case with Cami Granado. Cami, happy holidays. Wonderful of you to join us. Um, how are you? How are things out on the West Coast? You know what? Actually, they're quite beautiful. We don't get white Christmases normally. And this Christmas, we got this like onslaught of snow and then it got cold, which it doesn't get super cold here. So all the snow is like stuck to the trees. The roads are clear and it's it's literally like a winter wonderland it's gorgeous so we're appreciating normally we hate the snow because it gets slushy and melts right away but this christmas has been actually really awesome yeah so you uh actually when i texted you yesterday you're on the slopes so do you go up to whistler what like what's the place of skiing uh around you well whistler's the destination place for sure okay. it's I mean, people come from all over, all over the world to go to whistler but we do have some local hills that are great yesterday we went to cypress mountain and oh, yeah. i mean it was it was no wind like zero wind so it was cold but not you weren't cold because nothing was whipping and, and uh we just had an amazing day on the hill so yeah and they can hear my puppy back there getting in on a on a, a plastic bag or something so let me know if it gets uh if it gets no, annoying wait. guys sorry <laughs> Well, first of all, we work with Razor on a regular basis. So animals on the show are, are you know, expected. <laughs> and, uh, but honestly, when did the skiing bug kick in for you? And was that, you know, running parallel with hockey all of your no. life? You know, what's funny is we were like, I wasn't a big skier because I, I came from Chicago. I mean, we didn't have hills. We had like a bunny hill in our, in our town. That was it. Nothing else. It was like a tow rope that you were down in three seconds. So there was no real mountain to ski in when we were younger. So I never got into skiing until I got a little bit older. But I found that I could do it because hockey, you know, the edge work you kind of get, it's natural. But we weren't allowed to ski uh, with the national team. So all these beautiful places that we'd end up playing where there's like these gorgeous resorts and mountains, we couldn't ski at the same time. So 
some of our skiers were pretty upset about that, but I got into it after and um, I just love it. I, I mean, we can't, you can't not embrace the mountains here in, in Vancouver and in British Columbia. So um, my younger son, well, my older son, Riley, he, he and I are the two that go out, Ray and, and then my little one that don't really like skiing. So, <laughs> so the two of us go out and it was just it's been really great for us and lots of fun. So other than skiing, what have you been up to? Obviously, you're sporting your Seattle Kraken shirt, so you got to yep. represent a little bit. Uh, your scouting duties, um, it, you know, do you still have the podcast? Like, what are you keeping yourself busy with these days? Yeah, the scouting is definitely the number one. Um, Mom is is there with it, but um, with Ray traveling a lot more too, there's, it was a little bit different this year with him. Like, he's been home with COVID, like, for you know, such a long time that it was like, great carpool help great breakfast help great you know cleaning the kitchen like he was awesome so when all of a sudden he's gone and i'm doing it all by myself i was like oh yeah this is what i used to do i got really comfortable with raving home um but yeah no the the scouting is the main thing uh you know parenting the kids the kids are a little bit older but definitely busy um and then the podcast is is a sort of a side thing it's once a week it's just an hour and uh that's been really fun for aj malesco um, and i we I think, I don't know how you guys feel, but, but just getting to talk to all different kinds of people from all different backgrounds and, and learning and, and just having great conversations. I found that more rewarding than I ever thought it would be. I agree. Um, I know Marty does too. I mean, we're trying to keep it. First of all, the only downside to is I feel like everyone has a podcast. So part of me is feeling guilty constantly for not allocating enough time to listen to people that I respect and listen to their podcasts. There's just mm -hmm. not enough hours in the day, but the casual nature of all of this, like with your pup running around in the background yeah. and us just <laughs> being super casual is what I embrace the most. And I, and, and because of what you just said, we all need to listen more. And if this is another outlet for people to listen and then with information, create valid opinions, share yeah. them with others. That's the only way we're going to grow. And I think it's a perfect transition into one of the topics that we wanted to dive into today. And that is unfortunately the reality of where the women's game is at with the under 18s being canceled by the IIHF. Immediate reaction to that and uh, then reaction yeah. to the fallout and the voice that has been raised in wake of that. Yeah, I think the immediate reaction was just disappointment again. It's just like, again, like, can't we find a way? Like, we just need to find a way. Like <clears throat> we're finding ways to do other tournaments. Can we just get these, you know, these girls back? It's, it just keeps getting it happening, right? And so I, initially it was like that. And then it was sort of uh, um, trying to figure out, you know, getting more information on why, um, how it can be rescheduled, if it can be rescheduled. Um, and so just the thoughts of like, just reflecting on the fact that like we aren't in a place yet where there's a complete equality um, and we're trying to get there. And so I know um, there's a lot of different opinions. And for me, I think it's just having the IHF and the governing bodies, the federations <clears throat> like USA Hockey, Hockey Canada, you know, the Swedish Federation, et cetera, um, just caring more about investing or, and taking ownership in making that equality happen you know give us give us reasons of, of where you're putting equality in it and and i think uh actually my husband with bray's podcast he just had the new president of the IHF on and he talked a little bit about um some of that equality 
Um, but I think taking ownership, you know, taking ownership of that um, pressure Sweden. Why don't you pressure Sweden? I mean, take, take your position in your power position to say, hey, we're behind the women's game. So find another date then if you can't have it. Here's, he mentioned that June would be a good month. Ask them to do June, you know, challenge them to do June. Or USA Hockey who proposed, you know, hey, we'll pick it up, but it's just a proposal. Well, he then should go to them and say, well, give me your proposal. Let's see it. Let's make it happen. And those federations too have to follow. I think everyone just, it needs to be maybe accelerated because other sports right now are, are, are ahead of us. Um, and that's great. I mean, it's so wonderful to see this growth in women's sports, but we as a hockey, as hockey, as a sport are behind these other sports like soccer, basketball, um, tennis, and, you know, and, and it's, it's a journey. It's not going to happen overnight, but um, the, the leadership, <clears throat> the ownership, the investment, um, just progress is what, you know. Yeah. You're, you're a hall of fame member. Obviously you're, um, I'll call you a legend. You're a legend in hockey, not just women's hockey and hockey. Um, do you get a call from anybody at the IHF to like, say, Hey, Cammy, like we, we want to get your uh, opinion on this. Or if somebody called you, would you, would you be, would you be willing and wanting to get more involved in it? Just, I know you're busy, but um, I, I feel like Absolutely. there needs to be so many voices like yours involved in the process. Yeah, I do think, um, I, I, of course I would. Um, I think there's a lot of great women with great voices. And you saw that when it came out social media wise, that women are just in these positions, even players that are playing right now, they're trying to focus on their Olympics that are weighing in and are trying to promote change. And I think that's, um, it's positive. It's helpful. Um, you know, being around the game from the very beginning when we, you know, we had the first world championship that was sanctioned in 1990, mm -hmm. the change has been super slow. And, and over the course of the last few years, we're seeing uh, an expedited growth in other sports. And that's what we want to see with the game of hockey for not just women's hockey, but hockey. And, but definitely, um, of course, I would love to get involved. Just if, if it'd be nice to have some almost like a, a, a opinions from all these women that have been in the sport for so long and just have, well, what here, what do, what do you guys want? What do you guys want to see? And this is, you know, just even just a communication line open um, yeah. to, to promote growth and change. Okay. I'll be honest. I should have done this before, but I haven't. So you can fill me in. If you know, I did not go to the double IHF website to see if they actually show the breakdown of the members of their board of how it's constructed who makes these decisions who helps the leader make their decisions do you know if there's any or proper representation of women on that board i think there is at the moment i don't know about proper i know there is a few women involved there there are a few women involved i i i need to do more homework on that like with this coming out like it's it's provoked a uh, feeling for me to like, let's figure out what this is about. Let's figure out who the voices are. I know um, speaking to some of the players, the current players, um, they're even looking at that as they, like I said, as they're trying to prepare for Olympics, like I commend those players so much for trying to grow the game at the same time as they're trying to actually focus on winning a gold medal. Um, but no, I, I, this has definitely provoked me to try to get more, dig deeper and get more involved in figuring it out and, and trying to make, you know, like I said, positive change. 
I believe I read somewhere that there's two women on the WIHF board right now, but I think it's a very small numbers compared to the amount of people that are actually on that board. So yes, I mean, and sometimes you, there's politics involved, right? So maybe your vote goes along with other people so that you can push your agenda later at a time. But we talk about the under 18 and, and I want to go back to you, Kemi. And how was it when you were young? Like, did you have under 18s or, mm. or any type of organized competition like this? Or were you guys all on your own and trying to figure it out? Yeah, no, when I was, when, when I was playing my first, I came around right at the right time for the first uh, women's national team, um, like the world championship tryout. So I was mm. a freshman at Providence College. And I hadn't even known there was women's hockey because I was from Chicago. I actually had no idea that they had college hockey out East. There was no internet. There was no, like, there was just no recruiting. I wasn't recruited. I had to like basically beg my way onto Providence College to play. <laughs> but um, but it was it was just a very different time. So no, we didn't have those tournaments. Tony, my brother, would went to some of the junior tournaments uh, and, and to Colorado Springs to train as a younger, you know, uh, player at like 16, 17, 18. And, I always thought how amazing that was. Um, my dream was just to play with the like, Blackhawks or play for the men's Olympic team. Like I didn't have an option. I didn't know there was an option. And then once we started to get a team, yeah, there weren't, there weren't camps and development camps and all that. Now that's in place for some of the, uh, the girls, like you're mentioning the U18s and then the, there's even U15 um, development camps. So that all came after that all came in the years after we had been playing in the world championships. And then the, the, the thing that I think is the biggest bummer when we played was we played every two years, the world championships. Yeah. And then the Olympics were only like, not till 1998. Some of us had already been playing almost, you know, eight, eight or nine years. Um, so those were every four years. So we didn't get a lot of great tournaments. So those tournaments were like, you know, that's all we trained for. And we trained sometimes two years to get to the big tournament. That was one week long. So it was lonely. The, and it was not as you know fulfilling as it would have been for like say my brother who got to play you know a, a whole different path but but that's what we're trying to get for these girls now and and it's it's growing but it's again it's it's slow how did you actually get to providence then like <laughs> a good question i um so i was playing i played boys hockey till i was 16 i was the year i was turning 17 i i, I had to stop because the hitting was just insane um and I knew I wasn't big enough. So I just, but at that time was right. My last year of hockey, one of the dads that we played against for years came up to my mom and said, you know, there's teams out East that play women's hockey. My mom was like, what? And so we ended up writing Providence college and we got back this pamphlet uh, through the mail. Cause of course, no emails at the time. That's <laughs> so old. I guess I should say I am not any of you guys. No, but, no, we um, are. It's a collective but, we. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I got this letter back from Providence and it had Cindy Curley's name as the top, the leading score of the, the Providence Friars. And I was like, I'm going to Providence and I want to be her. I'm going to be her. And so my mom took me out there and we talked to the coach and he was like, well, we'll see what we can do and blah, blah, blah. No, and then we did contact some other teams and nobody was interested, but he was interested because he had seen me play in a tournament out out in the east coast so he had come to it i guess maybe after my mom had mentioned i wanted to come and he was like we're getting her in she's coming and so um yeah i i that was my one school that was recruited me and i, I will say though i was pretty devastated i couldn't go to wisconsin because my brothers all went i would have been four years with like my brothers like a couple with donnie and my other brother rob and so that would have been really amazing but 
I wouldn't trade my, you know, hockey experience for anything because it was actually an amazing four years. And since we're going down that uh, memory path of where you went in hockey after your four years at Providence, you ended up having to find a, a place to play because there was no women's league and you wanted to keep training. So you end up at Concordia for two years. Is that right? And, and how did that translate to you being able to continue uh, getting better? That was the best decision that I ever made. And I, we had played, um, Concordia in a tournament out in Princeton. It was a Princeton tournament. And they had come down, um, I think, every year to play in that tournament. We happened to be there, I think, my senior year. And after the game, I talked to Les Lawton, the coach, and he just mentioned that I have eligibility to play there and he would love for me to come down. And, or I guess up at that point, north. Um, <laughs> and so, but I I was just like, what? Like, there's a place for me to play after college because there was there was nowhere to go there was no games to have to be had there was no team to play for so it was a, the greatest transition for me to get me to the olympics because we had just heard my senior year that we were going to be in the olympics in 1998 um so i went there for actually went there for three years i went two and a half years actually um okay. and it was the best time i've ever had because less was like the first real like um hockey coach like knew the x's and o's Uh, kept me accountable playing defense because I mean Mike at Providence we were pretty dominant and I didn't really have to uh, back check as hard as I, I would maybe with the national teams and so he taught me the game all every aspect of the game um, he put me on the penalty kill he put me on the power play um, I just I had more fun those three years or those two and a half years I think they were the probably the highlight other than being in an international competitions and Olympics like that experience was so So awesome. And then we had an amazing team. We brought, I brought a couple of other car and buy went up there from the U S team. And we had a couple of uh, national team members from Canada on our team. So we were pretty lethal. Um, and we had a lot of fun. So it was great. Amazing. I just, I can't imagine the number of people that you have crossed paths with and respect so much in the game and then take all that to what we were originally talking about and think of the best minds that could and should, you know, push the right people to grow the game even more at a quicker pace. You know, you said it won't happen tomorrow. We often use that phrase, you know, sorry, it won't happen overnight. We, we all use that phrase, but what we need to be focusing on is like, yeah, but it can happen this week. You know, like we, we really need yeah. to, to, to not just speak in, in kind of common phrases we kind of got to move the needle up on ourselves. It's like, how do we, how do we make sure this yeah. does happen for our kids, you know, yeah. um, and not three generations down the road? Well, it's true because it is so slow. And I, and I hear that with the current players, like the frustration and, and we felt the slowness of it, but they're right. Like we're seeing it happen in other sports. And I think it's just the bottom line is like making it a priority for these, for the IHF, for, for all these governing bodies and the federations, making it a priority to include women, to bring that equality up to where it should be. Businesses are being forced to do it. Um, I mean, we look at where, like with the Seattle crack and where I work, like as far oh. as like starting from ground zero, like they've done an incredible job of just diversifying. Um, there's equality all over the board. There's just, there's just that in mind. And they were able to do it, you know, in all fairness from the ground up because nobody was, in, you know, it was a startup but they did it right. And that's those, those are models for everyone to follow. And that's where I think like, those governing bodies, the IHF have to make it a priority um, 
to just bring up that equality and, and care. I mean, they're the leaders and people will follow. And that's How do what, we do it? So, oh, go ahead, Duffer. You no, know, I was just going to say, and that's, Cami, that's the one thing, like I'll, I'll be 100% transparent here. When I saw the tweet yesterday about Ray and Dreg's show and the interview with Luke Tardif, I was, okay, I'm going to listen to it. But then within like an hour, I saw the release from the IIHF and it pissed me off so much that after all of this, that that statement could come out from them. I was like, no disrespect to Ray and Dregs, but I'm not listening to this right now. I'm, I'm, that's not the message that needed to come out. And mm -hmm. it's frustrating because as we spoke earlier, it's like, I want to listen. I want to try and absorb as much as possible, but that was just wrong. And clearly the reaction from your peers knew that yeah. it was wrong and not what they wanted to hear at that point right. in time. Right. Yeah, no. And that's, and that's where it's, you know, if, if these people, if these organizations that are in this position to make change, they have the power to make change, make that the priority, bring up the equality, make it, you know, it, again, just the support, the, the leadership, like just do something to stand up and, and make it, make it more equal. That's, mm -hmm. that's what we're looking for. I mean, I think the growth of the game, like I said, like it's happening in other sports. We just, we don't want to, we don't want to be behind. We, we want to be at the front of that. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's something that I've lived with my whole life. Um, but I, our generation was basically told to be silent. You know, yeah. don't speak up because you don't know what you're, you're, you almost were, you were afraid to lose your position within those organizations. <clears throat> and so this younger generation, that's just, they found their voices. I'm so proud of the way they fight. They're teaching us you know, that, Hey, it's okay to stand up and, and fight for it. Um, so yeah, let's, let's hope for a better future and let's hope for maybe this, maybe this fuels change. Maybe this, all these conversations fuel change. And that's what uh, I'm hopeful for. Well, you talk about the younger generation. So, I mean, we're also talking about international hockey. So you have the Swedish Federation, the Finnish Federation, the Russian Federation, you have a lot of different federations involved, but in our own backyard here in North America, a few years back, a bunch of the new generation, they stood up. They said, we cannot have two leagues, a league in Canada, a league in the US. It's really hard. We need one main league. And then the PHWPA was formed. They have their tour. Um, the, the, the NWHL was going to a certain place and then it kind of took a step back. How do we fix it in our own backyard to make sure that there is a league where women can play at the top level hockey and we can have it on TV and, and have a crowd there. How do we get that done? Well, I think it's happening, but the, the, the wheels are, are turning the, there is lots of talk. There's, there's proposals. There's, um, there's definitely things in motion and I'm hoping, you know, that maybe post, Olympic shortly after there's something that actually is is set out and there and there will be it I think the biggest thing is you know it's got to be sustainable yeah. so you don't want to just come out with the league and say this is the league and then it just it, it doesn't have the the meat of it to sustain itself so um there are great you know leaders involved right now trying to get that done um I you know hopefully we do see it um I know, I know when the NHL started out, there were 
you know, there was, what was the W, was it the WHA? WHA, Yeah, and then then the NHL, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. at at some point they did merge, right? I think maybe we're seeing a little bit of that. I don't know, but um, I'm hopeful. um, And I just, I think it's, it's time. I mean, people will come, people will watch, the, the, the sport will grow because of it. I think TV will cover it. Um, yeah. So I think it's the, it's, I, it's more than the time. I'd buy a ticket any day of the week. And I know she's Canadian and you're, but you know, and you're a big US, uh, USA hockey, but Maryfield Poulain, like I'd buy a ticket every day to go see her play. It's number 29. I remember seeing her. I was at a Tiki hut on the beach somewhere during Olympic break. <laughs> and when she scored like uh, to win gold and I don't even remember what year it was, but still like, I still remember where I was when I was like, oh, she is good. Like, like I think there's so many of these great stories to be told and I want them to be told. Yeah, I, I think you're right there. I mean, she she is the most clutch player when it comes to big games um, mm-hmm. and has scored in every big, you know, every time something's on the line, she's there to to put the puck in the net, which is not good for our for our team sometimes but uh but as as far as just a fan of the game and, and as far as just women's hockey I think that's another thing that that's happening is the women are are able to separate themselves on the ice but when they get off the ice now it's a collective group to grow the game so mm-hmm. so these players all have great respect for one another it was a little different when we were when we were playing because the, the rivalry was so bitter we couldn't even be in the same elevator as, as you know in the hotel as the uh, Canadians but we understood as we got older there was a Uh, we were all out for the same thing. And then we, we got a little bit closer, but this group is really fighting together. And I think that's, that really helps. Um, but I agree. The product is very good. And we've seen that with the, the PWHPA games that have been on yep. um, the networks in both, in both the U S and Canada. Um, you've got the best players in the world that are being showcased and yeah, it was really good hockey. It is really good hockey. And you're not, you're it's it's amazing you brought up the WHA and your your reference to the depth of the rivalry that you were a part of was very much reflective of old school hockey and further to that probably old school sports in general take for example baseball now when a guy gets a single and arrives at first base he's buddy buddy with the guy at first base <clears throat> Before, those two never would converse on the field. Same thing back in the day when guys were traveling by train in, you know, a six-team NHL. Like, you weren't going, you you weren't arriving in the other guy's train car. Like, I mean, it was two ends of the train. But you don't grow things without sharing collective experiences and and moving the needle that way. So I, I think it's perfectly placed, your commentary on where, the rivalry was and how it can still exist because I think the average fan still loves seeing Mm -hmm. Canada, USA. They don't care that off the ice, they're trying to build the game, you know, like the the rivalry, the the rivalry is still the rivalry. It's always going to be the rivalry. Always. And, and the NHL players are, they're all, a lot of them now, especially now, like our buddies off the ice, but when you get on the ice, it's, it's there. The rivalry is there. You don't like each other when you're on the ice and you're, mm-hmm. you both, you're in the way of what each other wants. So I, I think the rivalry is, is, is as strong as ever. Um, and, but yet the collective group off the ice can fight for, you know, for, for more rights and for more equality. So I think, yeah, it's a very positive thing on both sides. I think our rivalry was a little bit 
skewed because there were <laughs> I, my only stitches I ever had in hockey. Uh, and even with my brothers who never, you know, never gave me stitches with all the games we played in the basement was, was against Canada. So, I mean, I think, um, you know, th there was like, it was, a, it was almost too intense at some times because it was just, you know, we kind of lost sight of the game of hockey at, at some point. So it got a little bit too heated, but uh, no, I, I think the rivalry between the two sports has, or between the two teams has helped the sport so much. It's nice to see someone like Finland right now pushing that and trying mm -hmm. to be part of that and other teams. That's where we really want to see more growth is um, through, these, through the other teams as well to, to get up to the same caliber as the U.S.-Canada teams. Uh, Cami, I do, I do a thing on this show um, called This or That. And, you know, obviously Jeff O'Neill that works with Ray and Jeff used to always joke with my French accent. He goes, all you French guys, you do this and you do that and you do this and that. And so we do a bit of an either or like this or that here. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here with a few quick uh, this or that's here. Uh, better Olympic experience, Nagano or Salt Lake City? Nagano. Nagano because you guys won the gold. you won the gold. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was going to say that was the big one uh, where Shelly Looney, right? She scored the, the goal. She scored on the power play. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then Sandra White got the empty netter to make it three one. So yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Okay. Uh, yeah. Better world championship experience, Sweden in 05 where you guys won the gold or any other ones that you'd say, oh, that was a really fun world championship. I'd say the very first, the 1990. Yeah. I think that one in general was like the coming of the sport. Um, we were, you know, playing in front of no fans with, you know, some of our college games. And then all of a sudden we get into the, the saddle dome. I think it was, no, some, I forget the name of the, the arena in Ottawa. It's still there. The civic, center. 10, civic center. Civic center. Yeah. It was 10,000 yep. people yep. screaming for Canada, be it all be it, but I, I didn't care. They were singing na na na. They were, they were, you know, probably trying to get us off the ice, but I was sitting there when they were, singing that with 10,000 screaming fans for women's hockey, just looking around going like at that moment, I didn't actually care that we were losing because it was the first one. And there was a, a whole group of people. It was televised. And I was like, where am I? Like, this is what I dreamed about. This is what my brother has been able to do. Um, why, you know, now I'm here. And so that will never, I'll never forget that feeling I had just like looking around at the end of that game and being like, so grateful for being in that moment it was really really cool okay first thing i usually do i go to wikipedia and i type in somebody's name so i did cami granado wikipedia comes up and it says Catherine michelle granado so i'm like whoa wait a second here cami or Catherine? like who calls you Catherine? but which one do you prefer <laughs> well cami obviously um okay my Catherine came that the only people that call me Catherine is like if i go to the doctor and it's on there or maybe at the border when i cross the border it's my passport but <laughs> um, my, I'm named after my two aunts, my aunt Kathy and my aunt Mimi. And my dad sort of thought like, let's call her Cammy. Just put the two names together. Uh, and so I've been called Cammy from the time I was born. Uh, that's awesome. Great story. And I know you said you were on the slope yesterday. So this or that, do you ski or snowboard? Ski. Ski. Are you ski, one of those? Yeah. Like when I grew up skiing, I hated the snowboarders and they were just coming on the scene, right? Like in the mid nineties yeah. and they were getting your way and I hated snowboarders. So uh, is it the same way now? That's really funny. You say that. I was just telling someone last night when I got home, I'm like, those snowboarders were out of control tonight. <laughs> like they whip by you. These young, there's like six of them. They all go down in that slope together. And they're just like zigzagging through you. And you're just like oh. thinking they're going to knock you over. So as ironically, I, I, I said the same thing last night. So 
Okay, and you last two. but not you least. You two are like the get off my lawn crowd now. <laughs> yeah, Come on, oh, yeah. you realize, really you realize what's happening yeah, totally, here. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know that when I said that, I'm like, listen to me. I'm like complaining like an old lady, but I was seriously saying that was the same thing. Anyway, go ahead. Last but not least, um, if I put a puck at center ice on a little backyard pond and I put you against Ray and I say first goal wins, who wins, this or that, you or Ray? I'm going to take myself. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to tell you this. I skated with Ray. I don't remember when. It was a while ago. And I put the puck through his legs and I beat him clean, right? I like literally he came to get the puck and boom, through his legs. I'm around him. He hit me so hard with a slash <laughs> on my back legs. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, well, now you'll never do that again. And I was like, oh my God, that's the way he dealt with it. But I will pick me. I was more, I definitely had better hands than Ray. Let's just say uh, that. I would, I would pick you as well, just for the record, despite of course, seeing Ray play an awful lot in the Hartford Whaler days. Um, Back to, because, you know, you know me, I, I have to keep things serious at all times, right, Marty? Um, yeah. The importance of this discussion uh, is just that, like, it, it needs to continue. And, and we kind of touched a little bit on, on, you know, the leagues that the women are, are playing in or trying to play in. And, and, and let's all be honest and keep in mind here, part of the actual in the moment problem is a global pandemic, which has not helped leagues in any part of the world, but specifically North America, cultivate an in-arena fan base in the last two years. That, that's been yeah. very hard, and, and, and we have to acknowledge that. But does the Premier Hockey Federation, in your opinion, help bring the game together and forward? Or is it just one more idea that isn't... And I'm, I'm sorry if I'm putting you on the spot with this, but I think we all, you know need to look at all the aspects of women's hockey right now. So I'm, I'm just wondering mm -hmm. what you think of the Premier Hockey Federation. Um, the Premier Hockey Federation, you mean the, the league that changed their name to the Premier Hockey, the, the NWHL, from the, the Premier. From the NWHL, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I think that there, the new investments, it, it has been, there's, there's been an improvement there. I mean, I think when the national team players started out, like all the best players in the world started out playing in that league. I think there were some discrepancies in sort of like the expectations versus what was delivered. And I think that, that cho they chose to move to a separate <clears throat> league where they had more control. And I think there's, um, from what I'm hearing, I, I gotta be honest because I'm in Canada and there, there's a lot of stuff out East uh, and I'm out West. Um, I'm hearing stuff through some of my old teammates and, and other people that it, there is some good investment there. There is good intention. Um, I think it's just a matter of like everyone sort of getting together and figuring out one sustainable league. Um, and then, you know, getting the best players all playing in that league. And I, I just, I think we're, yeah, we just, it just needs to be, I think, consolidated, if, you know, and, and not have this parallel, um, these parallel leagues. I think it's Tammy, one you're, league is great. You're, you're in the simplest form a huge part of your answer is geography, right? You're out West. So much of this happens in the East. Are we ever going to see it get to the point where the women's game can actually travel on a weekend or whenever, hopefully full-time, you know, yeah. and not just be a weekend warrior sport like the national lacrosse league is, which is a huge passion of mine, which I'm frustrated four decades later, doesn't seem to be a lot further yeah. ahead than when it was when the bandits were great in the nineties, but 
you know, can, can we get there? And, and, and because of your involvement and employment with the Seattle Kraken, can you see them being, you know, behind the scenes, Absolutely. a real cultivator of this? Absolutely. I see Seattle being completely behind the game and growing the women's game. They've already talked about that. Um, I think that they're, and I do think that market would be incredible for women because there's such a great following in women's sports there. I know we played a game there one, one year on our tour. I don't know what year it was, but I, we were shocked at how the West Coast cities, Seattle in particular, had massive fan base for women's sports and were supporting us and were showing up in, in numbers. So yeah, it's, it's definitely um, something that I, I want to, I think could happen and could, it could be um, successful. I think when you start with the league, you know, I, from what I'm hearing, you start, you know, the, what's being um, looked at is start smaller or have two different pockets of areas and then just be the, each conferences and then maybe meet for, you know, not play each other, but like meet in the finals. Um, so there's a bunch of different proposals, but uh, there's definitely room. I think the West Coast, honestly, there's such a, I think, I think sometimes I feel it's a little bit further ahead in quality, but, you know, in, in, in California, in, in Seattle. And just that there's just, I, I saw it even when I broadcasted it in, in with the LA Kings, I was like, there's, there's a lot of support for women. Sorry, my, my AirPod just, but there's a lot of support for women um, in those, in those uh, states. So yeah, I definitely think it should be both sides and in the middle. Like it's, yeah, it could be yeah. a big, yeah. What about Sorry, my dog's making a, a racket? If you guys could see the chair that he's been chewing below me, I, I, keep, <laughs> oh, you no. keep me, I keep reaching down. He's like, uh, he's destroyed the chair. Oh. Um, <laughs> Cammy's next <laughs> call is to Ikea after we're done. <laughs> so you guys yeah, have sacrificed one the, uh, chair, right? Yeah, so it's sorry, like yeah. you can have that chair, but none of the other ones. Well, I'm in so. Ray's office, so I'll let him know when he gets home. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I only have a couple left for me. I guess one is um, you're now working for an NHL team. Um, do you see yourself continue to climb and and maybe uh, be a general manager one day, a president one day, like, where do you see yourself continue to, uh, to grow? Um, you know what? I, I'm really content with where I am right now because yep. I'm learning the league in a way that is, is something that you can't get anywhere else. Like you just learning the players, um, watching everything around me, um, working for an organization that I'm just so proud to be a part of. Um, and Right now, it's really, it's been a great fit. It's been a great challenge. Um, it's really interesting and fun. And so that, that part, I think I'm just going to just see, just kind of just take it a step at a time. I can't really project anything. Like, um, I don't, I don't, as far as my goals for anything, I, I'm actually not clear on, on yet um, where I want to take it. I just, I never thought I would even have the opportunity to work for an NHL team in this capacity because that, that wasn't a job that women ever had. So how could I dream it, right? Yeah. I mean, I dreamed of being a, a professional hockey player because that's what I saw as a kid and that's what my brothers dreamed. So I, I dreamed that part, but then not getting to that, you know, understanding at a certain age where it was quite, quite devastating actually to understand that my brothers could go further in the game. Um, I just, you know, emerged myself in the women's game and it was a separate thing, getting hired in a position that was not typically a, women, a women's uh, role uh, it's, I'm just really, um, thrilled. I, I, I love it. I think it's opening up other, 
Casocial's uh, vision. It's opening up other people to and other teams now wanting to follow suit. Um, so I'm I'm just sort of living in the present, and then well, who knows what the future holds? I really love being part of an NHL club, and you know, for right now, that's sort of what I'm looking at is just enjoying it and, and learning and learning and growing because I, I have a lot of learning and growing to do, uh, but really really liking it. And the last one, uh, I guess that's the ultimate this or that. And as you were talking earlier about your brothers, started to think, okay, who's the better coach, Tony or Don? This or that? There you go. Put you on the spot. Ooh, I cannot <laughs> divide my brothers. I will say equally, they have all, they both have their strengths. Yeah. Um, and I can't, they're both amazing. So you, you, you would uh, be dividing the family if you made me pick, but I, I honestly can't. I think they're both amazing in their own way. How was I your dad's? That's a, that's a fair. That's a fair answer. I'll give you that. So how was yeah. your dad's 80th birthday? It was fantastic, and thank you for the very nice video. Very well spoken. <laughs> you did a great job. Yeah, yeah. Well, I will say that. So I'm a big one-word guy. So let's leave our audience with one word to describe your mom, your dad, and each of your siblings. Oh, God, one word. I'm not a. I'm not a one-word girl. Like I am. I am a, an Italian many words. So this is going to be super challenging. Although I will say Don. We will accept probably, short phrases. Yeah. Donnie is the best, I think, in our family at, at, at like consolidating and just hitting it right. Like he knows. I'm, I'm like Tony and my sister. Like we, yeah, I have a lot of words, but okay. So um, my dad, my mom, you said first. Uh, nurturing is like. Yeah, nurture and love. Like she, she just instills that in all of us. Um, my dad is a rock. Yeah. Um, he's the rock of the family. Um, uh, Tony is. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of things I could say about Tony. <laughs> um, he was definitely, I would say, leadership, like with the kids, with us siblings. Yeah, the strongest thing I can think about him. Um, more like telling us what to do, but it, it did it, it did come in a form of leadership. Um, Don was, I would say, cerebral. Um, yeah, calm. And I'll just give him a few more because it's because it's Buffalo. Um, uh, and then let's see. So then it's it goes uh, my sister um supportive like nobody i've ever known like incredible with that supporting um no matter what and then uh robbie i would say he's my brother that's two years older than me he is kind of he's the one that keeps everything really light like he's really complete uh what is it he's calm uh and he's but he's really funny. Um, yeah, I would say, and, and pretty loving, lovable. He's lovable. Um, well, and then, go ahead. No, no, I was <laughs> going to say, I hope that they all come down to Buffalo at some point because your mom and dad were fantastic. Like they stopped by the set. They're amazing. So I didn't want to, and you, you say a lot of more though, don't you? Yeah. There's well, more. You're, yeah. You just, you're telling me to talk about an Italian family. You told me to do it in five seconds. So sorry. I can't Joey, I know. Gotta say I, Joey, the, the little baby of our family, who's 10 years younger than the rest of 10 years younger than me. Who's the youngest. He was the one who basically like 
keeps our family, like the organizer, the organizer. We, we, we go to him for everything. So there you go. There it is. Sorry, I was very long. No, but what I was going to say is you keep saying calm and Duffer and I, we need calm on the set before we go on the air. So bring the whole family, <laughs> calm us down, and then we can go on and do our job. No, I will say this. <laughs> our family together, you will not see calmness. You, you will see chaos, literal chaos with our, our 25 of us in our family. Like we've got all the grand, you know, the grandkids and the the spouses and we're all together. There's no calmness. The only one that's calm is my dad and, and maybe Donnie are sitting in the corner, just sort of observing mm -hmm. and everyone else is just an uproar. So yeah, we can channel that. that the two Dons can give you that. Observing is important in life too. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I best agree. just to watch and learn. Yeah. Exactly. Cammy, uh, amazing. This was a joy and uh, really happy to hear that it's been a nice white Christmas out there in Vancouver. Yeah. It is clearly one of the most beautiful places in the entire world. And uh, to have it look like that over the holidays, it's pretty special. Yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah, thanks. I agree. Thank you, Cammy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Okay. Say hi to Donnie for me. Great chat with Cammy Granado, hockey royalty, really the Granado family is. And we hope that in time and sooner rather than later, the preeminent women's players today kind of rise to that hockey royalty level yep. as they should marty yeah and listen with the academy of hockey for many many years we had young girls goaltenders come in because we we're doing the goalie program and to be honest with you they were the best they were the best students they were the best athletes they were awesome and now they're getting to that age all these young girls they're 16 17 and i want for them to be able to continue, not just play college, but but play professional hockey and the league that's there and have the Olympic experience and the world championship experience, just like the men's do. So yeah, for the ones that I know selfishly, I really want them to get that experience. Three stars time, harder to do based on the fact that there were not a lot of NHL games <clears throat> in the last week, but it's not always about what's happened. It can also be about what's to come. Marty, who you got? Okay, well, it's about what's happening right now with the World Juniors. So three stars, as I group them in a theme, is World Juniors. A couple of 2023 draft prospects that are doing really great. So Connor Bedard is my third star of the week. He had four goals um, against the Austrian team, I believe. But anyway, as a 16-year-old, doing that at the World Juniors is impressive. There's also Matvey Michkov who's a 2023 prospect. So I'm putting them together as my third star. Second star, a couple of goalies that are really standing out for me in the early going of the world championship. Florian Bugel, he's a German goaltender. They beat Czechia, I believe, in overtime. He was fantastic. So undrafted, who knows? Maybe we see him in North America soon. And Jesper Wallstead, the Swedish goaltender, great. So those guys are my second star. And first star, because names at the World Juniors are always interesting, there's a couple of names that stand out for my first star. Red Savage, he plays for the U.S. I mean, what a hockey name that is. Red Savage, there you go. And then for the Austrian, Oscar Meyer. Uh, <laughs> couldn't there be a better name than Oscar Meyer? So there's a couple of great names that are uh, right now playing in the World Juniors as my first star. My quick three stars are presented by the letter P and you can put them in any order. Recognize that this is on the cusp of the premiere for these players in a Sabres uniform, but you can put Prow, Paterka and Peyton Krebs all in any order at this point in time. 
all their stories are impressive, exciting, and leave us with the dream, no matter what age you're at, of playing this game. And it's such an exciting time organizationally to see players get opportunities. And that is what the game and life is ultimately all about. Our thanks to Cami Granado for a wonderful episode of Instigators Overtime presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. We'll see you soon.